Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Just as um, before we start, I um, just feel to say that um, in a very real sense, everything's going to be all right. In a very real sense, everything is going to be all right. And it's, um, it's not dishonoring of the past to celebrate where we are. And I think God is calling us into a little into a transition space where we actually get to celebrate. I'm like, yes, there's a future for us. Yes, there's a vision for us to lean into. Yes, there's a family for us to feel safe in and to be part of and to, to forge forward together into the purposes that he's got for us. And so, yeah, just wanted to say that everything is going to be all right. And we can celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, I got the privilege of um, of talking to you guys a few weeks ago while you were sitting on the grass. I don't know if you remember that when we when we legged out of the building when the alarm was going off. Apparently, it's because if you put stuff down behind the curtain, it doesn't like it and gets upset and makes a noise. Um, so we're not no longer putting things down behind the curtain, which is good. Um, I wanted to um, uh, reference kind of that because obviously there was there was probably a good chunk of stuff that we didn't get to. Um, but it's not really, this isn't a, a, just a, the bits that we missed last time. <laughs> um, there's a heart in there that I want us to stand on, but then to kind of move forward into uh, some stuff for today, if that's cool. Is that all right? Yeah, amazing. Um, and um, it's, it's, this stuff is really, it's really, for me, it's like the absolute heart of everything. It's the bit that pumps the blood all the way around my body. It's the stuff that I get super excited about. This is the stuff that I feel is um, at the heart of who we are and who we're becoming. Um, and it is, it's, a, it's this whole thing of discipleship. Um, you may remember last time we talked about the kind of Talmudim, uh, the disciple, the apprentice. This wasn't something that people attended. This was something that... Um, that was their whole life pattern. It was to, to position your life around three key things. Can you remember what those three key, three key things were? Pardon? <laughs> no, not that. Um, it, was a, it was the posture of a disciple to be with Jesus. <laughs> I was giving you a Sunday school answer. Be with Jesus. To become like and to do the things that Jesus did. Okay, so it was to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did. This was the Talmudim, the disciple, the posture of the disciple, the apprentice. The, the, and it wasn't just, I'm going to learn things about him, but it's like, I am going to, it's like, like Neil said this morning, you know, who we behold, we become. So that's the heart of it. That's the, the, the focus on it. And there's a leaning in. There's a leaning in. And it's, and, it's, and it's got to be a person, okay? This isn't just some, okay? It's not just something that we do. This is someone. What makes my noodle about this stuff is that it's so very simple, and yet we so easily seem to miss it and to not let it become the rhythm and the pattern of who we are and the way that we live our lives. This is very much the, 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 it's the, it's the Jedi and the, and the Padawan. You don't get a Jedi Master without having spent time with a, a Jedi Master. You have to be the Padawan, learn 
the way. And it's not just can I whack a lightsaber around. It's like the whole posture and the, and the, and the heart to serve and the humility in it. Um, to, 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 yeah, to serve the people that cannot um, look after themselves. And so there's this whole, um, I want to use the word ontological, but it's like this, this kind of, it, it can only be gathered around the person of Jesus Christ. Um, it can't just be a set of practices that we kind of crack on and do. Um, I want to read to you from John 15, 1 to 17, if that's okay. Um, but as I do this, what I'd love us to do, these are so filthy, what I'd love us to do is, um, <laughs> is uh, I want you to listen as I read it. And I want you to, to try and pull out, because I'll, I'll ask you and you can tell me afterwards. I want to try and pull out from this scripture um, what are the what are the cultures and the behaviors and the practices and the, the, the personalities and the character of what it means to be a Talmudim? Because this is Jesus's analogy. It's his kind of teaching. This is his analogy for what it means to be a disciple, to be somebody that's following Jesus, somebody that's following him. Yeah? And so I want you to listen, and we're going to get back from you guys um, what we feel, Jesus, the picture that he's painting, really, about this. Is that okay? So I'm going to take my time. I'll go slowly. and just trying to notice. Just ask Holy Spirit now. Would you, Holy Spirit, come, would you uh, create a thinner place for us? Um, we believe that your word is, is a living, breathing encounter of, of the Holy One. So we just pray will you come. Uh, will you reveal to us from your scripture what you're saying to us? Um, yeah, come, Holy Spirit. It says this in John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken over you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. 
for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so wherever you... Cool. Cool, so just have a minute. What jumped out to you in that? What was the culture, the behaviors, the character? What does it look like for us to look like Jesus? Any thoughts? Anyone want to chuck some stuff out? Yeah. Yeah, so we're chosen. It's not that we, we bought into it, that he chose us. He called us to himself. Yeah. Pa- compassion. Passion. Compassion. Yeah, yeah, compassion. Compassion. Compassion means to share in someone else's pain and hurt, to stand alongside. Any more? Relational availability. Yeah, that's really good. He's already put it in us, he's left a deposit in us already. Yeah. Any more? He's spoken his word over us and made us clean. Yeah. There's so much in here, isn't there? Like, I love that because it's like we disqualify ourselves from being his children so much. We disqualify ourselves, don't we? But he has made us clean. He's spoken a word over us and made us clean. The heart of this is something relational. Because the word that he uses most in this, 10 times he uses the word to remain, or in another version, to abide. The word that he's using is the word meno. And this is the point he's trying to pull across, I think, because it is there so much. Is remain in me, remain in my love, remain as part of this. And that apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know if you've ever cut a branch off the tree and left it. What happens to all the leaves? It just withers and dies, isn't it? You know, it's good for firewood. So it's like at least make some use of it. But um, we are meant to be connected. We have to be connected. Because to not be connected, to not remain in him is death. I love that there's a, there's a posture in here that's about sacrificial living. It's about laying ourselves down. No greater love do we have than to lay ourselves down for our brother and sister. I love that there's language in here that is about surrender because he is the gardener. And if he wants to prune us, part of that pruning is us surrendering to the process of that pruning. I love that he's joyful. That he's saying, hey, do you know what? 
I am joyful and let your joy be made complete as you remain in me. I love these collaborative. I love these collaborative. He's like, I'm not going to keep everything secret and then emerge from my curtain and go, hey guys, this is what you're doing, go. He's like, no, 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 no. I call you my friends. Hey. <laughs> so cute. Um, I call you my friends. And so I want you to be part of this. I want you to collaborate with me, to co-labor with me. I love that the goal is fruit to be fruitful. We should be seeing life from this. And that fundamentally, the whole thing is summed up in a command that we would love one another. That we would love one another. That's how people know that we're his disciples, that we would love one another. So it's so, so rich, isn't it? There's so much in this in terms of what it looks like for us to become like him as we spend time with him. And um, I, what I want to just simply get to today is for us to know, for each one of us and for us together, what that means for us to remain in him. Because if that's the key, that we're connected to him, that we're part of him, that he is the vine with the branches, and that we're called to remain in him, that we would experience his love, his joy, his compassion, that we would experience what it is to co-labor with the King of Kings, that we'd experience what it means for us to be the kind of people who are surrendered to the purposes of God in our lives, then we need to know what that means for us in practice. We need to know what that means and what that looks like as we go. Um, and it does, I think, I don't know where you're at with it, but it's, it is about kind of a vulnerable, courageous moment to kind of step into it. Because um, it's not meant to be that we go from zero to like a thousand miles an hour instantly. It's not that we're meant to be the completed, finished article. You know, I've decided to be a disciple, done. I'm like Jesus, watch me transfigure, it's fantastic. You know, that's not what we're supposed to be. It's a journey. I had that brilliant um, video in, in the week, I don't know if you saw, of our mate who's doing all the stuff with the sport. It's like you don't get to, um, to compete at a national level or an international level without having a lifestyle that gets you there. Has anyone ever run a marathon? Anyone? Like, did you just get up and do it, Adam? What would have happened if you'd have got, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to run a marathon today. What would have happened if you'd have done that? He would have injured you, like, would have died. I would have died. I'd be a dead man on the side of the road, just like sweat and blood and too much hair for a five foot ten man. But the, uh, the, the, the truth is, <laughs> the, tr the follicles per inch is, is inappropriate. The, the truth is that we cannot just decide one day to be a marathon runner and just to go. We have to start with the small steps. And to, if we want the lifestyle of, of an athlete, we have to, we, so if you want the life of an athlete, we have to adopt the lifestyle of an athlete, which is to run, is to practice, is to watch our diet, is to do a little bit, and then do a little bit more, and then a little bit more. But this is a relationship. And I remember, <laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers this, I remember when, when, I, when I met Lucy, and we were, we were both working for the message, and, and I was like, yeah, she's, she's fine. And, um, <sighs> um, and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, I, you know me, I'm, I'm a man of, of many words often, and um, I'd lost them all 
um, like looking at her, I was like, this, this woman is, is like, she's an angel. Like, how did some, someone like this be made by human means? It's like, this is impossible. And um, I remember, I don't know if you found this, like, have you, the first time you text someone that you, that you like, and you're like, because I'm quite glad of that text. Because and you know I'm, I'm I remember not having text. I remember being a teen. This is why I never went out with him when I was a teenager. Because like how the chuff do you chat to girls? I've no idea. Absolutely terrifying. This mysterious creature with hair and stuff, and like they could do things like wear makeup, and I would try, but then it was inappropriate. So I I didn't I didn't I didn't. No guy liner. None of that. I didn't do that. Um, but it was just. Um, I just genuinely, I'm not, I'm not just saying this, I, I was genuinely like really nervous of women with anything other than the kind of the sister vibe. I had loads of like female friends, I had two sisters. So I can, I can talk to girls all day long in that context. As soon as there was anything like, I quite like her, <clears throat> and it just glow up. And so thank the Lord for technology because it got to the point where, I mean, how? I thought it was so cool. Was like, how you doing? <laughs> and it's just, I mean, um, the reality is she texted me first. That's how scared I was. Because <laughs> she was just so beautiful and she was so beautiful. And it's just like, I just didn't know how to approach this person. And, um, but the opportunity just to be like, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, thanks. What are you doing tonight? <laughs> it's just it's there's got to be a, there's got to be a way in for us um, that means that we can step into and open up even just with three letters one syllable to open up the space where we're vulnerable enough to make this all about Jesus at the center of it all and to start asking things like well what are you doing what are you up to today? What's your heart for me today? What are you passionate about today? And we've got to lean in. We've got to lean in. We've got to work out what does it look like for us to make that first step every single day. There's a quote that I want to read to you, and this has pretty much changed my life, this quote. Um, it's from Dallas Willard, which no one's surprised about. Um, and it's about this, about what this pattern, what this rhythm of hey what it looks like. And it says this, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. The first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in this, sorry, our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and then redirect our minds constantly to Him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits, dwelling on things less than God. But these are habits and not the law of gravity and can be broken. A new grace filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as a needle of a compass constantly returns to north. If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings.
If God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward being. Practicing the presence. Practicing to like, hey, hey God. What are you saying to me today? What are you doing today? What can I get involved with with you today? What's your word over this situation that I'm going through? What's your posture in this difficult thing that I'm dealing with or this relational thing that I'm trying to work out? What would you do? Being with him. You know, we talked about before, like that incredible journey that Peter must have gone through to be called by him to be with him, to see miracles happen and food multiply in his hands, to stand upon the water, to watch his family get healed, to stand and see Moses and Elijah transfigured with Jesus on the mountain. Incredible. To be with him, to watch Jesus love people, To know that when Jesus has a biscuit, he'll break it in half and he'll give you the bigger bit. To know his heart, his character, his nature. This is what we're called to put before our minds every day. And again, and again, and again, and again. So that's what it means to be a disciple. That it begins and is entirely about the person of Jesus Christ, to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. Now, I'm a little bit of a geek about church. Anyone else just love thinking about church all day? How we do church, why is it important? What do we do? How do we do it? You know, what are the, what are the ideas and the framework and the structures and the kind of the models that we can have a go at and try? And anyone like that? Anyone just a weird geek, freak like me? Okay, great. Um, so one of, the fascinating, one of the fascinating things about church is that it is, in essence, the action of corporate discipleship. Because actually, you can't be a disciple on your own. It's impossible. Even if you take like the, I don't know, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as a fundamental basis of how we're meant to interact with one another, that the gifts of the Spirit are there in order that we can edify one another. How do you give somebody a prophetic word when they're not there? You can't. You've got to have relationship with other people in order to exercise the gifts that he's given us. And the fruit of the Spirit, you know, and interestingly, none of them being a command. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control. You know, these are not commands. They're the overflow of what happens when we remain in him. They're the overflow of what happens when we spend time with him, that we behold him and become like him. They're not a command, but what they do do, <laughs> do, do is that they help us to know how to love one another. They're all relational things. And so you can't, you can't be a disciple without being part of his church. You're part of the body of Christ. Um, one of the interesting things is that idea of um, being with him, becoming like him and doing things that he did is that is the basis of all churches. Yeah? The most central and replicable part of church, those three things. It's, it's up towards him, it's in towards one another, it's out towards the world. So whatever church, you know, any, I'm pretty much any church is like, like, I used to work for Ivan. It was like knowing him, growing together, going, as I said, people like in, out, up. It's like up, in, out, whatever. Um, well, we went to a wildfires conference in the summer and their whole 
vision is that there would be these sacred fires, the place where we encounter him, that there'd be campfires where we gather around together and there'd be like wildfires that we go sent out. So at the very center and heart of what church is meant to be is the triangle. Say the triangle. The triangle. That's the center of it, those three things. What we then wrap around this, this is, this is church planting 101 because it's like, how do you plant a church when you've got no money and no people? This is how you do it. You focus on how we, what it means, what it looks like for us to be with him, to become like him and to be sent by him. That's what you do. But what we then do is we wrap around it, these four things. We wrap around it with people and we put money and we put facilities and we put programs around it. And now none of those things are bad. They're all actually really good when they serve the triangle. When the square serves the triangle, everything's groovy, yeah? Everything's cool. But when, when it becomes simply about the square, that's when idolatry happens. Because we lose the heart of the person of Jesus Christ and take it out and then focus on what it looks like to have staffing, to, have, to work out our finances, to work out what we do with our building, and to work out what our program should be. Yeah? Wasn't it fascinating that um, John Tyson, at the beginning of lockdown, said it's like the scaffolding has been removed. The, the rhythm of what we do. You know, we put our staff on furlough. We couldn't use our buildings. We couldn't run our programs, and all of our finances went to pot. All of the scaffolding was being removed, and the great anxiety of the church as to whether... The, and the only thing that what that would be... Coming like him, being sent by him. Because you don't need star. This is a guy who is like convinced that my vocational calling in life is to serve the church. Yeah? But you don't need staff to be the body of Christ. And you don't need money to be the body of Christ. And you don't need a building to be the body of Christ. And you don't need programs. To be the body of Christ. And there's nothing, and please hear me, there's nothing wrong with those things. They're beautiful when they are subservient to and in submission to the goal of being with him, becoming like him, and being sent by him. Yeah? Yeah? Because otherwise, he isn't there. And we end up doing what the, not Spider Man, but the um, historian um, Tom Holland describes as secularism because secularism he describes is basically because of historically where it's come from is christianity without god it's a kingdom without a king it's the form without the power so i don't want to be a secular church i don't want to be a kingdom that has no king because otherwise we all scramble for the position because there's a vacuum there and that's pants. <laughs> um, but the reality is, and the truth is, and the heart is, and this is something that's been contested over the years and over the centuries. People like John Huss, a hundred years before um, the Reformation was, was put to death because of his assertion that Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and you do not have a body without a head. So we don't need people, we don't need money, we don't need buildings, we don't need fine, uh, programs, but we do need a king. And the body of the church needs the head of the church. 
Colossians 1.15.20 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For him, in him, all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Ephesians 1, 23 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And he says it, Paul says it again in Ephesians 4, 15. He says it again in Ephesians 5, 23. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. You cannot have the body without the head. Jesus has got to be the focus and the center of everything that we do. And just as a little side note, and it's not a little side note really, but the whole other talk would be that the only way that happens now is through the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. That's how it all happens. I want to finish this. Um, sorry. Um, a friend of mine went to the Pantheon in Rome. And... Um, he was showing me his holiday snaps. I was like, dude, that is amazing. And he, was, he describes, like, the, the incredible thing was, is you were in this, and you had all this incredible architecture. This is, like, the, 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 for 2,000 years, I think it's the, the biggest unsupported structure in the world was a, a Catholic um, face. Um, but the most compelling thing about this structure, and we just, yeah, there's a few photos you can go through here, um, isn't the building itself, but it's the gap at the top. It's the bit where there is no building. It's the bit where you've got the space. The most compelling moment of this incredible historical architecture is the place where there is space. It's called the Oculus. It's the place where the light shines through from the heavens. It says when, it's, when it rains, there's literally like a pillar of water that courses down and then disperses into the drains. And we could build a church. We could have a go. We understand people, finances, buildings, and programs. We could do something that looks like a church. But the most compelling moment it's the space that we make for the immortal, invisible God to encounter him, to be with him, to become like him, to be sent by him. And that as a church, we are a family and a community of people who are called, who are chosen, who are made clean, who are humble, who are surrendered to him, who are sacrificial in the way that we love one another, joyful and collaborative in the way that we work with one another, fruitful, and that we take the command to be like him and love one another. I've 
stupidly ran out of time. But let, let's stand together. Um, clack, clack, clack. There's a thousand things we could do. I would, I would love us to think about, like, <laughs> I keep on failing to get to the point of, like, here's all the practical ways that we put Jesus in front of our face every single day of our life. And it's stuff that I'm really passionate about and really excited about. Like, I've been, even things like that John 15 scripture, I've been wanting to, like, I'm pantsed it, but, like, learning scripture off by heart, learning the whole chapter. I'm about halfway through, and then I keep forgetting and I'm to start again. But I'm like, it's the, the difference that it makes to kind of keep intentionally putting God before you, to look at, at the space that we give him, the surrender that we give to him. Um, but I want us to mark together as this church family that he is our king. It's to step, shines, step into the place where the, the outpouring of his Holy Spirit courses down. And we could stand to the side of it and just have it splash on our feet, or we can just get soaking wet. And I want us to mark together that our heart and our intention and our passion is to be his disciples, that we as a church would be his disciples because we're his body and he is the head, and that we submit to him, to his pruning, to his um, intention for us to be fruitful people. So Father, we pray that this will be who we become. That as we are with you, we become like you and become a people sent by you for the blessing of our friends, our family, for our streets, for this city, Jesus, that you would be known, that you'd be known. So make us your church. Make us your people. Make us your body. Let us be grafted in you, remaining in you, Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, vinelife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.